Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special edition episode of Off the Post Boston Sports. I'm Carter Hockman, and joining me is none other than the voice of the New England Patriots, Mr. Bob Sosi. Bob, thanks for taking the time today. Hey, it's great to be with you, Carter. How are you? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks. So, uh, certainly happy that the season started and uh, got off to a good one for the Pats. Absolutely. There's, there's a whole mess of stuff that we could talk about in the stress-inducing world when this offseason was. But I want to get I want to dive right into where we are right now. Um, I, I know everyone has inevitably been and will continue to make comparisons to the Patriots post Tom Brady. But if you were looking at the Patriots performance against the Dolphins, having no clue what the Patriots looked like with Tom Brady, how would you grade them? Well, I think as the season opener goes, you, you, you look at a couple of different things. Number one, you know, how disciplined were they? Do they commit a lot of penalties? Do they have a lot of missed tackles on defense? Those are things that often are characteristic for a team coming out of the gate when you have a preseason and usually characteristic of teams that don't end up having a good regular season. Well, in this case, you have a team that did not have any preseason games and overall played a relatively clean contest against the Dolphins. There weren't a lot of glaring breakdowns, whether in communication in the secondary or careless mistakes like false starts or pre-snap penalties. And I thought overall the tackling was good. Certainly the Dolphins made an emphasis on establishing a running game this year. They had the worst rushing attack in the NFL last year, and they rebuilt their offensive line. They added a couple of backs to their backfield and Jordan Howard and Matt Breida, and they really never got going from that standpoint. And so I think, you know, again, you look at the season opener, first of all, from those various angles. How well prepared is a team? And considering the modified training camp, I thought the Patriots, you know, more than acquitted themselves and were well prepared. And then, of course, you look at the offense and Cam Newton, how he played as the quarterback, how the offense executed, where their strengths were in the game, where their weaknesses uh, seemed to be as well. And the same thing for the defense. And I thought overall the Patriots, you know, had a for a season opener a, a very solid performance. You have to take into account, of course, that the Dolphins with Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, made their share of mistakes. He lost his top receiver, Devontae Parker, to a hamstring injury during the course of the game through three interceptions. But you also have to give the Patriots a lot of credit, I think, in, in the fact that Juwan Williams more or less neutralized Mike Gesicki for a good portion of the game and had excellent coverage on the game's ceiling interception by J.C. Jackson in the end. And the Patriots secondary, we felt, was the strength of this team. If you cover well, and they did throughout they tackled well in addition you know I think you look at the, the Patriots offense and the offensive line was viewed as a strength when they played very well in this game of course you, you, you can't help now but look at it and knowing what we know about how the Pats played with Tom Brady and common you know you can't it, it's hard for me to, to answer your question and, and try to keep the past out of the equation because it, it you know it, it's so different than from what we've seen from Patriots teams but if you try to take it in and of itself that performance on Sunday I, I thought overall it was productive they converted on short yardage situations they were six for 11 on third and fourth downs they were three for four in the red zone the one big mistake of course uh, was the the failed score in the red zone when Nikhil Harry fumbled the ball through the end zone uh, for a touchback on what should have 
than a play to set up a first and goal to go. And at that point, really put the put the ball game to bed relatively early. Uh, so overall, I think it was a solid performance for the Pats. There's some question marks. Uh, certainly one coming out of training camp was the kicking situation. And it remains so. Nick Folk missed his lone field goal try, but he did convert his extra points. And I think as well, there are still some questions about the Patriots receiving core in the tight end position in particular that will remain so. Uh, for for quite a while, I think th- those are questions that you know people are going to have uh, in- until uh, we really get into the the teeth of the schedule in a couple of weeks. And it's interesting too because there was there was so much anticipation leading up to Cam Newton's first snap. I have to ask what your big expectations were for how it would turn out versus how it actually played out. Were there any disparities? Were you spot on? I try not to have too many expectations with the season opener or in, in, in uh, you know, in the Patriots case uh, with, with the game plan per se, because they changed so often, even with Brady, of course, you know, it was his offense and, and there, were, there were a lot of consistencies, but they're a game plan team. So, you know, you, you wonder and you, and you certainly can try to uh, guess, hopefully it's an educated guess what the Pats are going to do with each game but in in, the, in this case season opener again not having had joint practices to see the patriots against other teams and competitive repetitions uh, during the preseason or training camp periods not having preseason games themselves not really getting a feel for who really uh, could factor into play and because of that they had to rotate so many different people it was hard for me to have an expectation i figured they would run the ball i figured it would look a lot different than what we've been accustomed to I didn't anticipate 15 rushes for Newton uh, the way it turned out. Uh, I certainly thought that the Patriots would try to establish a power running game, and I think most people did. Those are not original thoughts. I really didn't know what to expect from the defense. I was very curious what they were going to do defensively at the linebacker spot alongside Juwan Bentley. And what we saw is the big nickel package and the big dime package with not only six defensive backs and at times seven defensive backs, but more safeties than cornerbacks. And we also saw a lot of cornerbacks playing safety. So they kind of offset uh, the, the, the lack of depth at linebacker, considering all the losses they've had in the offseason through free agency and the COVID opt-outs. They tried to compensate with more defensive backs on the field, and it certainly served them well against the Dolphins. And that's exactly right, because essentially what we saw was Cam Newton, after being given a crash course on the ever intricate Josh McDaniels offense. How do you think that the offense as a whole will continue to progress once Cam's been given time and the rest of the offense has been given time to, to digest everything. And, you know, now that he's actually put some time in you know, some, some use of it into line gameplay. Yeah. I think it's going to continue to evolve. I mean, you you bring a, raise a good point. Cam Newton didn't have a spring with his team. So he was signed as a free agent in the summer. And while everybody else, did it virtually, which isn't ideal, of course. Cam Newton didn't have an opportunity to dive in the Patriots playbook and have meetings and conversations with Josh McDaniels, as you typically would in the offseason. didn't have a chance to condition with his teammates during the offseason, as you would, of course, experience in other years. So he signs with the Pats. Basically, it is a crash course. You're absolutely right about that. He had to cram to get ready for training camp and for the season opener. And I think one of the things that you have to be careful about, Josh McDaniels talked with reporters on Tuesday morning in his own Zoom conference with us, speaking of this virtual world. You have to be careful sometimes to, I think, draw dramatic 
differences or leap to conclusions after one game. The Patriots offense is based on the Earhart Perkins blueprint. goes back to what Chuck Fairbanks did with the Patriots back in the 70s. We saw Steve Grogan and the Patriots back in that era rush for 3,100 yards as a team in 1978 and set an NFL rushing record that stood for, for three decades. Not to say that it's still the Earhart Perkins of that era because obviously it evolved over time with Charlie Weiss and Josh McDaniels putting their own touches on it, but more so with Tom Brady <laughs> developing the offense uh, when Drew Bledsoe. It's an offense that Bill Parcells ran with the Giants and, of course, brought with him to New England and, and uh, Bill Belichick has run here for years as well. And again, each coordinator develops according to the quarterback. So what they had done over the course of the last 20 years was you know, take that, that base, that foundation, and work the offense around Tom Brady. And over the course of time, it, it more or less became his offense. But, you know, sometimes I think we overcomplicate things. And you can incorporate elements of other offenses in what the Patriots have done for a long time. And I think that's kind of what McDaniels has done. He, we saw some of it early in 2016. I think this was a more uh, uh, evolved uh, 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 evolved look than what the Patriots presented, for example, in week three of 2016 with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. But, you know, they've got athletic offensive linemen. They have guys that they do a lot of pulling with. They try to uh, get a lot of movement, whether in the play-action game or in the run game with an offensive lineman. And so maybe the adjustment for, for those guys up front, for example, in front of Newton, wasn't as drastic as, as you, might, you might think. It's not like a team that, like the Baltimore Ravens from a couple of years ago where they draft Lamar Jackson and all of a sudden the blocking scheme is completely different the next year. And, then, and that leads me to the quarterback position because I think it's, it, this is a step. And we're going to see the Patriots start to layer the offense a bit off of what they did on Sunday against the Miami Dolphins. And I think McDaniels will continually try to play to the strengths of Cam Newton, particularly because, as, you know, as I touched on, he's, he's going to have to, along with the running game, carry this offense for a while as much as he can because they just don't have a lot of playmakers at other positions. And they've got two rookies, one of whom was inactive for the game on Sunday, that eventually, you know, they're hoping will make contributions at the tight end spot. Right now, it's Cam Newton and Julian Edelman and Nikhil Harry more so than, than anybody else, of course, on Sunday in the passing game, and then all the running backs. And, and so it's going to evolve, and, and, and Newton is going to be asked to do a, an awful lot. Uh, but I, I, I think that what you're going to see over the course of the next few weeks is maybe he does it more in the passing offense, but also outside the numbers at times rather than in the middle of the field as the Patriots did against the Dolphins. I hope that makes sense. What I'm saying essentially is that, you know, it is night and day on the surface from what we've seen in the past, but yet to get from that point to this point for Josh McDaniels, it's not like he had to overhaul everything to make it work for Cam Newton on Sunday. And I think what we're going to continue to see is for McDaniels and Newton to grow together in this offense and for it to develop around him as, as long as he stays healthy. That does make sense. And all of this, of course, coming after just one game. But right, exactly. One, one thing that slightly concerns me, and I think concerns a lot of Patriots fans, is how aggressively we saw Cam Newton drive his shoulders into defenders. We know he's had issues with injuries, primarily in his shoulder. Does that 
concern reach the broadcast booth as well? And, and do you think Belichick is likely to have any sort of conversation with him about that? Well, McDaniels talked about it again today. And, and you know, you certainly don't want, I think, your quarterback to take any, any unnecessary punishment. I thought overall Newton did a pretty good job of avoiding the real big hits. Now, we saw him reach for his hamstring, his left hamstring, periodically, uh, late in, in the second quarter and, of course, late in the game. So there is concern. There's obvious concern because of the shoulder problems of the past. He's had two shoulder surgeries since 2017. I think last year the Liz Franck injury was, you know, one where, where it really wasn't created by him running the ball. It was more or less him trying to avoid a sack, and, and, and that's kind of an unusual injury that, you know, I think uh, it wasn't an, a byproduct of, of him running, but more or less him trying to avoid pressure in the pocket that could have happened to any quarterback in that situation. But I think there is concern about the shoulder and there's concern about the durability, particularly with any, any running quarterback. He's not as heavy as he used to be. Uh, and he's a guy who's taken a lot of punishment in his career. Now, he's given out a lot of punishment in his career, especially when he was playing around 260 pounds or so with the Carolina Panthers. But McDaniels today in, in our conversations with him, said, you know, we, we, we never want to put our players in harm's way. And I really think that as the season goes along, again, assuming that Newton remains on the field and uh, can, can go for the pass week to week, they're going to try to do as much as they can to avoid him taking any unnecessary punishment. It does reach the broadcast booth. You know, you can't expect him to carry the ball 15 times, even 10 to 15 times uh, a game. I, I would hope that as they move this along, that you know when he does run it's it's going to be generally on a third down scramble uh, out of the pocket uh, when he's pressured as opposed to you know the more design quarterback runs than runs out of necessity it's funny that you say you know he's 6'5 250 and he's not as heavy as he used to be <laughs> he's, it's, it's incredible carter you when you see him on the field level and we didn't have a chance to do that uh, in training camp we were kept sequestered away from the, the the field the small contingent of media that was allowed to go to training camp because of all the safety protocols and and, and with the game on sunday you know, we were really limited to just our broadcast area whereas in the past if you had a press credential you can go down on the field and watch the warm-ups and in the past when the patriots would play the panthers whether in the regular season or annually in the preseason you could not help but be awestruck by the size of newton as a quarterback and I heard people like Rob Ninkovich, who played defensive end, outside linebacker for the Patriots, talk about you know Newton and his size the same way we in the media or fans talk about Newton and his size. And you're right; it, it sounds completely uh, you know wacky to say he's lost weight, he's slimmed down, and he's 245 pounds. Yeah, it's everything. Everything I've heard up to everyone's initial reactions is, "Wow, I never really noticed how humongous he is," but. You know, moving moving away from from Cam Newton for a second, it's it's really no secret that the Patriots right now are relatively thin at wide receiver. But now the Patriots do have that extended playbook on the ground. How do you think that will factor? And I guess has already factored into how McDaniel's schemes the offense for the rest of the year. Well, again, I think they're going to try to check. You know, they always try to attack an opposing team's weaknesses, and they try to avoid their own weaknesses. Not ask players to do what they can't do. You know, I think that play action is, is such a valuable weapon for any team, particularly this Patriots team, when they can get the ground game going. Uh, now, you don't necessarily have to run uh, successfully to be good at play action. 
I think the numbers bear that out with the analytics, but it certainly helps. And it can be that much more dangerous when you throw. And I think if they continue to establish a running game and if defenses continually have to account for that quarterback as a potential one, again, it doesn't even mean when we're talking about like cutting back the rushing attempts by Newton, but still as a defense, you can't take for granted that he's not, not going to. So you may have to designate a defender, whether to spy him or you decide, hey, you know, we're going to load the box because New England's going to tr- they're going to run first and they're going to run second. Uh, you know, as, as the Patriots did against the Dolphins, I think the first five plays out of the gate were rushes, and two of them were first downs. Well, now what you've done is you, you've you've tilted the the math in your favor in the passing game because they've allocated an extra defender uh, to your running attack and. You know, with Newton out of the field, it forces the defense to, to you know, play the math again. And, and, and you know, they can't assume he's not going to be a, a, a runner on any particular play. Uh, whereas with other teams, you know, in, in other situations, if it's Tom Brady, well, now you might have a free defender that you can, you know, you can use as a robber underneath in your coverages and try to muddy the middle, so to speak, which is what teams have done uh, having some success against the Patriots over the over the course of time. And. Now you also have that ability because you've, you're luring more defenders close to the line of scrimmage. Well, maybe you can compensate for some of that lack of separation for your receivers because it might be a little bit easier for those guys to get open and particularly off play action, you know, when defenses are guarding against the run more or less. I know it sounds cliched. You're keeping them honest because they have to, they have to be guard, careful about, you know, giving up a big running play with Newton in particular. Uh, so I think that, you know, you, you build a lot off that if you're Josh McDaniels, uh, you know, whether it's an RPO or it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's a typical play action play. And I think the Patriots will continue to try to exploit, as I said, defense's weaknesses. And it may mean throwing the ball deep downfield. It may mean throwing the ball outside. I'd love to see Demir Bird. Uh, try to get involved. That I'd love to see him get involved. I'm sure they're going to try to get him involved uh, this weekend against Seattle. And uh, you know they they hit on some some plays against the Dolphins with you know some wide open receivers, particularly Ryan Izzo at tight end. And you know again you hope that that's, that becomes a byproduct of just the threat of of that running attack. And with the running game, especially just again just looking at game one. What seems to improved at first glance would, would have to be the offensive line, which last year, quite frankly, was kind of a disaster. Even with the re-retirement of, of legendary O-line coach Dante Scarnecchia, how would you rate the offensive line's performance in game one? I thought the offensive line played really well. And, and a big part of the offensive line's performance last year was the injury to Isaiah Wynn early at left tackle. Uh, the the uh, situation with David Andrews being unable to play because of blood clots in his lungs. Andrews is not only the captain of that offensive line, but uh, as someone who makes the line calls and, and, and really keeps everybody on the same page, because as Skarnecki used to say, it's five working as one. He's, he's athletic. He's very, very smart. He's tough. He's not to take anything away from Ted Karras, who filled in for him last year, but, but Andrews definitely right away, just his presence makes it a much better offensive line. And again, I, th- you know, I, I, I noted that this is an offensive line. The Patriots you know, have very good guards, very athletic guards, and Joe Tooney and Shaq Mason. I think they also have smaller tackles. Uh, they don't have tackles that necessarily you know, measure up to the tail of the tape when you look at your prototypes in terms of the height and the reach. But Isaiah Wynn and Jermaine Illuminor, 
who's had a lot of pro experience on the inside, well, those are guys who can get out a bit. And we saw that, you know, in the game against the Dolphins. Look where Illuminor is as the right tackle when Newton scores that first touchdown for the Patriots. He's, he's well out in front, well outside, out there on a defensive back. It's the guard's ability to get to the second level. So I thought overall the offensive line played very well. I'll take another guy who I thought stood out for me. Although the average per carry was a bit misleading because it was fewer than four yards per rush, I thought Sonny Michelle had some big runs in that game. I thought Absolutely. Michelle broke some tackles. He was tough. I thought it was huge for him to get in from the goal line one yard out. You know, it's something that they really struggled to do last year. Obviously, he had a lot of success two years ago, particularly running against James Devlin. But there were times on Sunday, though, where I thought he broke tackles behind the line and made the first guy miss, you know, once he got past the line of scrimmage and picked up an extra two, three yards on several carries that I thought were very positive signs. For sure. And, and, you, and moving sort of away from the running game into sort of special teams, and you mentioned it before, the kicking situation, not ideal. But in, in my humble opinion, my ever so humble opinion, <laughs> Nick Folk turned out to be actually one of the brighter acquisitions last season. Do you think that, that Bill Belichick is more trust in him than he did last year? Because I think a staple of last year and what's burned into a lot of Patriots fans' memories is the Patriots going for it continuously on fourth and three, fourth and four, instead of going for what would typically be a near guaranteed three points. Yeah. I, I don't know how, you know, I don't know if that, you know, maybe you, you look back at last year where we are today uh, here in uh, mid September and uh, you know, it seems like they went for a disproportionate number of times. I don't, you know, I don't think that that you know, there was a time where when they had Kai Forbath, who of course, uh, you know, wasn't as reliable. Uh, as, as he, you know, he needed to be. And then that's why they brought in Nick Folk. And then Folk had the appendectomy a little bit later on uh, before he came back to the team for a second time in 2019. And I think he, do, he did kick well. But he's been around for a while. He's 13, you know, he's 13 years into the league. Uh, he's a guy that, uh, you know, they had to bring in out of necessity in training camp to compete with the rookie Justin Werwasser. Werwasser certainly has a strong leg, but uh, was terribly inconsistent and in fact, the, the consistent thing about his kicking in training camp is that he didn't make enough kicks um, and, and he missed right with regularity. Uh, so I think it is I think it is a point of concern moving forward. And I think for Belichick, too, he's, he, he doesn't look at what Nick Folk did in 2019. I think he, he looked at the Nick Folk he saw in training camp. And I think that's why he's been moved back to the practice squad after Sunday's game, because, you know, the kid does they want, they want a little more. It gives them roster flexibility for at least a couple of weeks. And, and an opportunity to sort things out. It allows them an opportunity to continue to create competition between Folk and Rurwasser. And that tells you a lot about Rurwasser, too, to see how he responds and if he improves over the course of the coming weeks. Because by November or December, you know, in the conditions in New England, you know, maybe, maybe Folk's leg doesn't hold up and, he's, and, he, and it's not strong enough to, to you know, kick in, in the conditions he's, he's going to have to and to let. And maybe, you know, they want to continue to develop Rurwasser with that in mind or go out and find another kicker. Uh, but I think what, you know, folk did last year was admirable. He came in and he was, he was solid for the team overall. Uh, yet he did have a missed extra point late in, in, uh, in the season, but uh, in the, in the playoff game, but you know, he was able to uh, hit at a pretty decent field goal percentage and, and hit some long field goals. But I think, you know, again, Belichick looked at him in training camp 
and he evaluated Falk based on what he saw this year as opposed to last year. And I wouldn't be surprised if you know there's more activity as the season goes along. And we're seeing it all over the league. Already the Browns have, have made a move at kicker. And the former kicker, Stephen Gostkowski, did win the game for Tennessee against Denver late Monday night. But he missed three field goal attempts and an extra point before doing so. I was very happy to see Steve nail that game winner. Uh, but, you know, it's a re- it was a real struggle to that point. I think you're seeing that already around the league with a number of different people. Yeah, my the two Patriots jerseys I do own are Adam Minitari and Steven Guskowski jerseys. Mm-hmm. I think I need to stop getting Patriots jerseys for the time <laughs> being. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's, but, we've had such a luxury, Carter, too. I think people, you know, often could take Steven for granted because, you know, Guskowski followed Vinatieri. But to have a kicker like Stephen when he was healthy for so long and be so reliable and you compare it to what goes on around the league, in most cities in the NFL, it's wise not to purchase a kicker's jersey because, you know what, he's not – that jersey is going to wind up on the sale rack in a couple of weeks because the kicker is likely going to be gone and somebody else is going to be brought in. That's just the reality. It's kind of like the quarterback position for a lot of franchises, like Miami for so many years post-Dan Marino. Uh, so we've been lucky here in New England to have been able to – cheer for Bledsoe and then Brady for such a long period of time, but also at the same time to see Vinatieri turn things over past the baton, if you will, to Gostkowski. And he carried it for so many years. He, he absolutely did. And for those people who, for those people who are listening, who don't know, or who don't, who might not understand, could you just explain the loophole that, that Belichick is exploiting with this, with bringing folk up and down from the practice squad? Yeah, you can only do it, uh, I believe, one more time. Uh, but you, you're in a situation now where, the, because of COVID, the NFL, one, has expanded the practice squad from 10. It was going to be, I think, to 12 players until they put the different protocols in specific to COVID, and, and they bumped the limit up to 16. In the past, you had 10 players in your practice squad, and you know, the, the, those guys were fair game for anybody else. If you were on a practice squad for New England, uh, then you, you could be made available. Uh, if the Buffalo Bills came calling and said, we got a spot on our 53-man roster, then we want to hand that to you, and, uh, and you, you would sign with that team or anybody else that was willing to sign you off, off the Patriots practice squad. Well, this year, the NFL, again, because of the anticipation that they're going to need players, in, in, in perhaps in, in, in large numbers, uh, at, at certain positions, possibly if, if there's, you know, contact with someone who is COVID positive or if a player himself uh, uh, tests positive and is unavailable for a game or two. And so to try to create this bigger safety net, this bigger pool of reserves, they've allowed these teams extra players in the practice while they've also allowed them to protect four players. So, you know, from week to week, you can designate four players in your practice squad and they are unavailable to other teams that want to sign them. So it gives you some kind of a protection there, of course. The other part of it is, is that game day rosters typically, you know, you carry a 53-man roster, and then on, on game day, you pair it down to 46 active players. Well, this year the NFL uh, is allowing uh, a 55-man roster, um, and what the Patriots did is they brought up two guys from the practice squad, Xavier Williams, a defensive tackle, and uh, Nick Folk, a kicker, and put them in the roster for Sunday's game, and then they, therefore, they had uh, 48 active players rather than 46. And again, those are stipulations that are different to the NFL. But you can't do that every week uh, with the same guy. So it's you know at some point uh, they're gonna have to make a decision 
uh, with Folk, you know, going forward. And he right now is back on the practice squad. And it's it's not quite college where you can up your roster to about 110, <laughs> but uh, it's def- it's definitely a start. <laughs> um, now, there, th- thankfully, it, no double numbers in the NFL. Not quite yet. We'll see, though. We'll give it time. Um, there weren't too many glaring mistakes that really cost the Patriots on Sunday, aside from Gilmore's two Stephon Gilmore's two pass interference calls and the aforementioned Nikhil Harry goal line fumble. Of the errors that you saw. What would you say is fixable just by the players themselves versus what do you think needs to be or, or can be coached? Well, I think that, you know, they, they're, they're all coaching uh, mistakes. I think, you know, the, the pass interference calls, I mean, I think Jackson got called for pass interference and, uh, you know, there might've been a little bit of a, 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 a shirt bought off the, the hand got up on the shoulder of the Jersey. I think Gilmore plays, um, you know, he's so good and he does such a great job with, you know, all of his technique and, you know, he got called a couple of times on Sunday. I know he's very upset about one call in particular, you, you know, I, I, so I think, you know, those are borderline calls. And I think that again, you know, these are guys that didn't have a lot of uh, competitive reps against, you know, they didn't have any against other players. And you know, he was going up against a guy that in Parker early in the game that had a real, uh, had a great season finale last year over 130 yards reception, uh, 30 yards receiving. And, uh, you know, with Preston Williams, another guy for the Dolphins, a pretty good receiver, although coming off a torn ACL. I, just, I think, you, you, you know, you'll see him clean things up on his own. You know, he's, he's a technician. And, uh, you know, he know he, I think a lot of veterans like that, particularly when you're as good as Gilmore, you know, you, you, you play to a certain edge. And, you know, once the officials tell you what they're going to allow, well, you know, then you figure it out and, you know, how much you can use your hands. And that may vary, you know, from week to week. Uh, as far as the Harry play goes, you know, ball security is something the Patriots work on all the time. They work on it constantly. And, uh, you know, he's a guy that they have to stick with. It's, it's not a case where, as we saw, for example, my first year of the Patriots, there was a game against Denver, Carter, and they fell behind 24 nothing in the first half. I think uh, Stephen Ridley fumbled. Denver returned it for a touchdown. I don't think we saw him again in the game. Uh, LeGarrette Blunt came into the game and he fumbled. I don't know if we saw him again in the game. And by the end of the day, after several fumbles, it was Brandon Bolden who was the main running back for the Patriots, maybe the only running back down the stretch in that game. I think Shane Vreen might have even had a fumble in that game. Uh, you can't do that with Harry, of course, if you're Belichick and the Patriots because you just don't have the depth at receiver and you want to stick with. This is a guy who's your first-round pick from last year. And he didn't have a lot of playing time a year ago. And you really need to develop him and, I think, bring him along here in his second season. And, and so you're going to stick with him and you're going to coach him. Look, tuck that ball away. Know the end of the journey. It's something uh, Patriots former wide receiver coach Chad O'Shea used to always say. And we would hear it particularly with guys like Amendola and Edelman so that they wouldn't take unnecessary hits in their cases. You know, no, no, you know. No one it's the end of the journey, so to speak. Well, Nikhil Harry had tried to, it appeared to me, reposition the ball like he was going to extend with both hands to try to pierce uh, the pylon or break the plane of the goal line. And the Patriots really frown on that because of, because of exactly what we saw. How many times in this league, and particularly when we watch Derek Carr, do you see somebody reach for the pylon, expose the ball, it gets knocked out. Next thing you know, instead of you know, a goal to go, or a score, if the ball's going the other way from the 20-yard line after a touchback. I'm sure he's heard about it ad nauseum by the time our audience is listening to you and me talk. 
Oh, I, I can I can almost guarantee it. I, I want to look forward to next week a little bit because Pete Carroll and the Seahawks are ever so familiar with the mobile quarterback. And they, of course, have one of the all-time greats in Russell Wilson. How would you anticipate their preparedness compared to Miami's? Well, I think, you know, in number one, you know, the Seahawks have game, a game's worth of tape. If you're if you're the Dolphins going into that game, you haven't seen anything the Patriots have done in the pre. You know, even though typically in a preseason game, they're not going to show your regular season opponents very much on tape. But nonetheless, you can get some sense uh, from from watching this preseason game. So the Dolphins went in blind, even though Brian Flores has tremendous institutional knowledge and his defensive coordinator Josh Boyer, each a longtime assistant to Belichick before moving on to Miami. They really didn't know what to prepare for with Cam Newton. Any idea? Sure, yeah, we, we were. You know, there's going to be some option plays. There's mobile quarterback, but you know what? Just like everybody else around around football, you know they 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 didn't know just how active he would be in the running game. I mean, look, a lot of people didn't think Cam Newton was healthy enough uh, to be their quarterback. It appears to me he was on the he was on the open market for 96 days unsigned. Uh, you know, and the, who could anticipate that he was going to return to the Cam Newton of 2000? 15 former, at least 2016 post MVP or in terms of the numbers of carries and, and the involvement in, in the running game. So the Seahawks have that. They have a game of evidence and they, 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 that certainly helps. I think it does help to have a mobile quarterback. I mean, we heard the Patriot players talking about that uh, and, and uh, as well the Patriots assistants during a conference call early in the week with regards to how, you know, maybe playing against Cam Newton helps them prepare for the mobility of Russell Wilson, but they are different. They're very different quarterbacks and even in their athleticism, and their mobility, they're very different, if that makes sense. Uh, I think, you know, if, you know, I think Seattle's, Seattle's an interesting uh, situation because for years, Pete Carroll's defense has played a certain way and the Seattle offense played a certain way, whether it was Daryl Be- Bevel or Brian Schottenheimer calling plays. But Sunday against the Falcons, the Seattle defense did things a little differently. Now they have uh, Adams in the secondary, Jamal Adams at safety. And I think, you know, maybe they're trying to utilize his skills a little bit better. Uh, they've got great linebackers, but in, in Bobby Wagner in particular and, and KJ Wright and, and Bruce Irvin is back maybe on the downslope of his career, but nonetheless, those are guys that we're very familiar with out in Seattle. Defensive line is good. Uh, it's going to be probably harder to run on them. But then again, you know, the Atlanta Falcons racked up 500 plus yards uh, and, and on Sunday, and you know, Matt, Matt Ryan aired it out. I don't think the Patriots are going <laughs> to throw with that kind of frequency, but they may be forced to alter their approach and throw more, certainly against Seattle, than they did, did versus Miami. Now, finally, I myself don't like to give long-term predictions on season outcomes, but if you, Bob Sosi, had to guess on where the Patriots will finish this season, do you have any sort of idea? Well, I think the Patriots are, yeah, and this is an easy, easy out on my part. I mean, I think the Patriots will be in contention, certainly. And I think that they're, I think they remain the team to be until they are beaten by Buffalo or, or the Dolphins. And there's a long, long way to go. You know, I think that Buffalo has become a fashionable pick and, and, and really a, a logical pick for a lot of different reasons. The Bills have everybody back, virtually everybody back. I think, you know, 20, 22 starters from a year ago or in that neighborhood. Uh, one would assume that Josh Allen is going to make some progress. And he got off to a good start against the Jets. But then it was the Bills of old uh, with the game that was really one-sided, but the score didn't reflect that. So the Bills made some mistakes offensively. And 
you know, Allen is a guy that I think is a bit of a wild card to say the very least. Uh, one of the things I have, the, the, I think about Buffalo, and I said this when, when asked at other times in the offseason, they've been healthy. And going to the playoffs two of the last three years, they've been healthy, particularly on defense. Well, it's Sunday against the Jets, Matt Milano got hurt, hamstring, and then Tremaine Edmonds got hurt with a shoulder injury. Now, reportedly, as of today when we're speaking, they're day-to-day. But they can ill afford to lose Edmonds especially, and I think even Milano. Those guys are so key. What kind of defense the Carolina has run for years, at least did before a coaching change this offseason. And we all know how important Luke Keekley and Thomas Davis were as the nerve center of that defense. Well, the Bills, you know, they have a budding star in Edmonds if he's not there already. And, and it bears watching. Again, as of right now, they're saying day-to-day. But, you know, they can ill afford to lose him in particular, I think, on defense. And I think that the Patriots, you know, with Cam Newton being their own wild card, if they can build on Sunday's performance and – you know, start to layer things, and, and they give teams a lot more to prepare for. Uh, you know, they're, they're a team, I think, that will be there in the end. I think the secondary gives their defense a chance week in, week out, because they can cover, and they've got a lot of versatility back there. I think the defensive line, the front four, are good. The depth concerns me a, a bit. And, uh, you know, I think this is a team that's going to play a lot of games similar to Sunday's, Carter, a lot of lo- lower-scoring games. Uh, maybe with exception of when they play Seattle, uh, a lot of lower scoring games, a lot of games that are going to be relatively tight and uh, they're going to have to, you know, be the team that doesn't make the mistakes that ultimately decide, you know, win and a loss. And typically the Patriots aren't. Belichick has always said, you know, more games are lost in the NFL than one and his teams rarely lose them. You have to beat the Patriots. And I think that this Patriots team, I don't, you know, it's hard for me to say they're going to be 12 and four, even 11 and five. I don't know what the record's going to be. It's a tough schedule. The travel is certainly far from forgiving compared to what it's been. Uh, but I think this team is a good football team, uh, despite some of the, the, the deficiencies we've talked about. Uh, and, you know, if they can uh, if, if they can manage things well and not turn the ball over, because uh, they're going to be playing with a slim margin for error week in, week out, they're going to be in every game. And, and they have a huge advantage if that's the case, and their head coach, Belichick. I have to wholeheartedly agree with you. Bob, thank you so very much for joining us today. Hey, my pleasure, Carter. It's great to be with you. I, I, I apologize for my long-winded replies. And, uh, you know, it's just uh, it's just great to have football back. Uh, and, and, I, and I thought, you know, going into Sunday's game, regardless of the outcome, I was going to walk out of Gillette happy because I could exhale and, and, and breathe a, you know, a sigh of relief uh, as well as feel the excitement of a new season and a lot of gratitude because I didn't really know that the season would get here like none of us. We don't know, you know none of us know uh, whether the season is going to be able to be played uninterrupted and uh, to its conclusion. But it, cer- it certainly was great, even without the fans, which is very, very disappointing to be back at Gillette and to watch football on Sunday and now to talk about it. You and me both. Very excited that, you know, we don't know what the future may hold, but we have football right now. This has been a very, very special episode of Off the Post Boston Sports. I'm your host, Carter Hockman. As always, it's Off the Post, all Boston, all sports, all the time. See you guys next week.